Welcome to the Brisbane Property Podcast with your hosts, Melinda and Scott Jennison from Streamline Property Buyers, your local Brisbane property specialists. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Brisbane Property Podcast. Um, today, Melinda and I are having a, a little chat with um, Talia, who works with us. He's going to be our special guest. Thanks, Talia. Talia, it is so good to have you back on the podcast. I know you joined us, I think it was the second episode, talking about what tenants like in a um, an investment property here in Brisbane. And, you know, since then, obviously, we've been through a lot. COVID-19 has come. Um, we are on the other side of recovering from that. But um, you've also upskilled and you are now a qualified property investment advisor. And um, that makes two of us on our team. And obviously, there's enormous benefit for our clients in working with people that are qualified to give independent um, property investment advice. So we are going to pick your brain to help some of our listeners understand a little bit more about your knowledge and also to um, help listeners understand about the process that is involved when, you know, selecting an investment grade asset. So welcome, Talia. Thank you for having me. So Talia, a question that we haven't got on here, but you've done the course for the, um, to be a qualified property investment advisor. Does that give me a bit more confidence and a bit more knowledge with things that you look at? It definitely has given me a lot of confidence in directing our clients to the right investment opportunities. So, yeah, definitely. I think that, you know, a lot of clients um, don't know what they don't know. And I think that when we're able to provide that framework and help to direct them into what we know is right for them, remember that not every investment property or investment strategy is going to be right for the same people because it's very dependent on their own tax bracket, you know, their income that they're already earning on their own investment goals, um, you know, and timeframes that they have in terms of investment um, opportunities. So yes, we're, we're very excited to have Talia and share her knowledge today. So it's not, it's not a sales pitch, this one, but um, I must admit, like the qualifications that we have here at Streamline, having two qualified property investment advisors and a licensed builder, and we've actually got another one of our staff going through the course at the moment. So it just adds a lot more value to our clients and a bit more comfort. So we'll jump straight into it with a couple of questions. And and I get this one asked a lot, Talia. People ring us and talk to us and say, oh, I want to buy within 10 kilometres of CBD. <laughs> is that how we buy property? No, that is not how we buy property. There's actually a lot of factors that we focus on. Um, just for example, overlays. Um, so they can affect the performance and desirability of an asset. So for example, there is a lot of flooding in Brisbane. So we do check the multiple types of flooding because there's different types of flooding. Um, there's also a new runway that's been built at the airport. So checking the noise impact it has on particular locations where that may previously not have affected before or potentially the opposite where it was affecting it quite a lot and it's actually been reduced. Um, and then also main road noise overlays. Um, so they can definitely impact the desirability of an asset as well. I love how, um, you know, you've, you've basically just unpacked a few of the gold nuggets in terms of some of the initial due diligence that we would do for our clients. Um, obviously, Brisbane is a very different city to other capitals in Australia, especially when it comes to selecting an investment grade asset. And distance from the CBD, it really is not a determinant of whether a suburb is investment grade or not because 
you could be outside of that 10 kilometer ring and be in one of the most desirable locations in Brisbane that's had, you know, superior capital growth to to other locations that have been a little bit further in. Remember, you know, some locations that are very close to the CBD are very much flood impacted locations. Now, from an investment perspective, that will increase your holding costs to be subject to those sorts of impacts. So remember, distance alone should never be the determinant. There's so many factors that would go into location selection um, to, to come up with a suitable suburb. But Talia, do we buy in every part of a suburb when we select a suburb as a whole? Definitely not. So there are definitely pockets within the suburbs that are more desirable than others. So we do focus on that. And because we're on the ground all the time, we do identify these little locations that are gold nuggets, as you said. Yeah. So uh, those overlays you mentioned earlier, look, there's a whole list of those. Uh, I think we've probably talked about quite a lot of overlays previously. Um, it's definitely something we look at, whether it's, as, as you mentioned, flood, noise, bushfire overlay, all of those things um, are things that we obviously check. Um, we also talk about not only what we look at property, what it looks like now, but what it's going to look like in the future and how things will change and how that area will change. So potential growth and things like that, obviously you look at those types of things. Absolutely. So what's really important is what future infrastructure is coming to the particular area as well. Um, so we want to make sure also we're looking at the future supply risk and then in particular locations within a suburb, if there is a lot of gentrification happening, like road widenings and stuff, you don't want your property negatively impacted by those. So being in those areas that wouldn't be negatively impacted by the future growth of the suburb is important too. And again, you've just unpacked a gold nugget there in terms of future supply, because people often forget that capital growth comes when supply is um, held very tightly and there's no potential for future supply and yet you've still got growing demand. So it's a basic economic principle. You know, when supply is low and demand is high, prices will go up. And that same basic economic principle does apply to property, especially when it comes to property investing. So a lot of people do look at the demand side and, you know, I know a lot of people talk about this area has got huge population growth, amazing growth potential. However, in areas that have got huge population growth, quite often they're new estates that have got new supply. What does that tell us, Talia? It tells us that um, capital growth may not be going up. That's exactly right. Yeah. So when you've got an area, just because you've got people moving into an area, it does not mean that growth is guaranteed because if you've also got um, a huge number of new estates being, you know, released or, you know, lots of new homes being built, then you've got supply increasing at the same time that you've got demand increasing. And that really does not put upward pressure on, you know, prices. So you don't see a lot of capital growth. And in fact, I know I've spoken previously about the fact that, you know, in newer states, quite often growth goes backwards because, you know, especially for the first few years, because the land grows in value or appreciates at a slower rate than the building depreciates. So it's something to keep in mind and um, certainly something that we look at. Talia, there's other ways to assess supply. Um, what else do we look at to determine supply? Because obviously supply can be out, but it can also be up. So how do we assess that? Um, supply can be up through potentially units and new units that are coming to a particular area. So those really built up um, locations, um, basically the future of those and the development zoning that we look at will show what's yet to come in that particular section. So we know that if we're looking for low density residential housing, 
it's probably not best to put that in a zoning where there's going to be multiple high story units coming to that area as well. So that's future supply. Yeah, and Brisbane is a very young city, especially when we compare it to Sydney and Melbourne. And off the back of a change in the city plan in 2014, we did see a huge influx of higher density unit developments, especially in the inner city locations. However, there are some areas in some of the suburbs that are zoned for much higher density development, and it's not there yet. So obviously, that's part of our role in identifying where those locations are, because as a property investor, if you're buying nearby, that can cause a potential supply impact. So I think that supply side of things, as you've highlighted, Talia, is extremely important, especially here in Brisbane, because our city does have a lot of infill development yet to come, and that will be coming through higher density unit development. So very good point. So with, with Brisbane growing so much, and we've talked about previously about population, the amount of people migrating up this way and, and what's happening and obviously infrastructure, what about public transport? I think you touched on that a little bit earlier. How important is public transport to you when you start to look at investment properties? I think we need to focus more about what Brisbane's going to look like in the far future. Um, right now, the roads, you do get a bit of traffic, but it's not something that is as bad as let's say Sydney and Melbourne where mm. they're much more advanced there. Um, but what what does it look like in the future and where are those transport corridors to connect people through to the CBD so they can easily get to work um, is super important. Yeah. And I think what's interesting is there's a lot of talk at the moment about the fact that people will work from home. COVID-19 has changed the way we now work and there's no longer a need to get into the CBD. Look, the reality is I think this is a temporary change and whilst people may have the ability to work from home at times, there will still be a, a, a need to be you know, commuting to where those employment hubs are. In Brisbane, yes, CBD is the area that is projected for the um, the greatest number of future employment opportunities. Um, outside of that, the second region in Brisbane that's going to bring the greatest number of jobs into the future is actually that Australian Trade Coast precinct, which incorporates the Brisbane Airport uh, precinct as well as the Port of Brisbane. So obviously off the back of the second runway opening, we've seen, you know, a huge um increase in the capacity of our international airport to connect with the rest of the world. Yes, we are in a pandemic right now, so international flights are really limited, but you know, this Brisbane airport really will be the gateway to Asia in the future once, you know, life resumes to something that, you know, is a little bit more normal than what we're experiencing now. So that's also something to keep in mind. Um, accessibility around the city. Um, we won't be able to drive forever, as Talia has said, we are becoming more congested over time. And those, you know, looking forward and understanding what that's going to look like 20 years from now, we don't invest in property for the results next year or in two years time, we invest in property for the results into the future. So it's important to understand who's going to buy that property or who's going to rent that property, you know, 15 or 20 years from now, we want to make sure the desirability is just as high then as it is now. So another thing just on um, looking at a property and trying to assess properties, a lot of people will go and do an inspection and they'll walk through and have a chat and look at the staging and, and whatnot. What, what about things like underground services? Yeah, so before um, attending the property, we do look at town planning reports and this can help us with our either development clients or development sites, but also just it's important to know where the underground services are lying on a property anyway. Um, and we can check things like where the sewer is and where the water connections are as well. Yeah, and I think the other thing um, that is is a little bit harder to find and any stormwater connections, but that 
usually um, is aligned with when we see overland flow paths as well. So um, obviously if this is all, you know, feeling a bit double dutch to you or if you're not understanding what we're talking about, it, it obviously is a little bit of a light bulb moment to get an understanding of some of the due diligence that we believe is absolutely critical before you're physically inspecting a property. You really need to know what impacts that property has up front before you even assess whether the property, you know, in terms of the, the standard, the quality, the, the location is going to be something that you would be prepared to invest in because we're not talking tens of thousands of dollars when we're purchasing an investment property. We are talking hundreds of thousands of dollars. So getting that due diligence done up front is so important. So Looking to buy properties, I guess how how do we get people do ask this question as well? Can you can you get me off market properties? Can we buy them cheaper? Can I buy under market value? All those crazy questions we got all the time. Um, how do you get off markets or pre market opportunities? So because we work on the ground every day, it really does come down to the agent relationships that we build with each of the agents in our key target suburbs that we're looking in. Um, we also get a lot of great feedback that we're really easy to deal with. Um, so our clients, because they have learned so much throughout the process, they actually help us in maintaining our relationship. So the more good experiences the agents have with us, the more off markets they bring us. Yeah, I think there's a great example of a recent experience that we've had, Scott. Um, I know that we purchased a property and the building and pest report came back with a few issues that were not known after a physical inspection. And I think this is something that's, you know, really important to understand. A physical inspection does not allow you to really um, investigate issues that might not be obvious to the naked eye. You really need to get into the ceiling space. You need to do moisture readings. Um, you need to get a pest inspector to understand what the naked eye can't see. Even Scott, as a licensed builder, can't see anything or everything in a, in a standard inspection. But Scott, tell us a bit about that um, recent experience that we had and um, how we dealt with that and obviously the relationship that uh, we built with the agent as a result of that. Yeah, so we purchased a property. Um, it's an A-grade property, actually, really good investment property for a client. Um, the people that actually sold it, um, they were investors as well and the property had been vacant for a little while. Um, but when we purchased the property, obviously you do the normal inspections, went to contract at the building and pest inspection when we did a test and uh, we ran the showers and did a moisture check on the walls. Um, there was quite a bit of water leaking in underneath. It was an elevated property. Um, so the good thing there, what we could do with the client is we actually obtained a quote for the, um, for the agent, passed that on to the agent, negotiated with him. It kept the, um, the deal alive, I suppose, as you say. And um, we managed to negotiate to, to now keep continue on with that um, contract and we're getting all the work done and everything prepared. The seller's happy. They're still going ahead with the sale. Our buyer's happy. They're going to get a brand new shower in their investment property and the agent's happy. So it's kept that relationship alive and, and really healthy with that agent. Um, and he's willing to work with us more and more because we help with that type of thing. Yeah, we do all the hard work. I mean, that was sort of like you get two showers in one, wasn't it? You could stand underneath the house and mm. um, the water was, it was that bad of a leak that um, the water leaked straight through the floor, through the tiles, through the bedding, through the floor, and um, it was dripping underneath the house. So, you know, no one can see that in a standard inspection um, it's not possible to determine those sorts of leaks. Building and pest inspections are critical, but there's always um, a way to negotiate through that. And obviously that's what we're able to do to keep, you know, the opportunity moving forward, but to solve the, the problem and provide solutions with agents. And that's why they love dealing with us because a lot of buyers would 
be very concerned at that point and that could cause them to pull out of the contract. We try to, you know, ensure a mutually agreeable outcome for everybody. Yeah, I think the point there really is that for that agent, that deal would have fell over probably if someone else because they probably would have freaked out because the, the waterproof has completely failed and it's a new shower. Whereas for us, it's not a major thing. Um, look, other people look at it in different eyes, but we look at it and say, look, that's everything's fixable. Um, and we just work together and um, it improves that relationship more and more. So that that's that obviously worked really well. And that's a part of that relationship that um, Talia was talking about as well. So what about the off-market side of it? I know that people do talk about off-markets. Do we still get them? Are they still out there? Are they as popular as what they were? Not as much. So they definitely have dried up a little bit and that's because of the rapid market that's happening. It's almost silly for the agents to sell off market in a market that's appreciating so rapidly. And then there's heaps of buyers out there. So heaps of demand for property at the moment. So a lot of them are opting to go to market. Um, so there is a little bit less coming through. I guess, I guess there's certain circumstances and we did we did buy one just recently off market. The lady just didn't want the stress of her home as an open house and having to prepare it and get it organised and she was quite stressed out by it. So that was probably doing a good thing for that that seller. Um, obviously, there's different circumstances for privacy or whatever it may be, divorces, whatever you name it. Um, but, yeah, I agree. There's definitely not as much coming to market. Um, oh, sorry, getting off market and a lot of people are going to market as well. And I think the biggest thing, you know, we see it time and time again, and we do see properties still in that pre-market space more so than completely mm. off-market. So what that means um, and the difference is um, they do intend to sell. They do intend to bring that property to the market through the major real estate portals. But quite often we do get to preview that property before it is listed. Now, sometimes, depending on the seller's circumstances, there may be an opportunity to put forward an offer and to secure that property in the absence of competition, because um, our offer is, you know, attractive enough. But Talia, you know, as a seller, what's the motivation to sell off market in that instance? The offer's got to be pretty good, right? Yeah, at the moment, the offers do have to be pretty good um, because the market is shifting so rapidly. The agents are usually pushing for either auctions or to sell on market because of the demand. So, you know, having a good understanding of where comparable properties have recently sold helps us to determine what our offer needs to be to potentially stop it from going to market. Absolutely, because just to buy off market, we don't want to, our clients to pay more to secure an asset just because they're buying it without competition. Sometimes it's better to bring it to the market because, you know, we can actually buy it slightly less than what we might otherwise have to pay as a knockout bid to secure it without competition. So keep that in mind. Yes, you can buy off market, but you're going to have to buy a premium because look, let's face it, sellers don't have their head in the sand. They're not silly people. Sellers are seeing and reading what is going on in the property market around them. That's why they're selling. Um, unless there is a valid reason why they, you know, are trying to protect their privacy or you know, they don't want people through their home and that still happens for some people, but the majority of people really want to achieve the best possible price. So that's going to mean a knockout bid to secure prior um, to being listing, other to being listed. Otherwise, it's going to mean that um, you are, you know, subject to the competition that other buyers will bring. And I, and I think the other thing that people do get caught up a bit on that off market is they take a lot more risk. Um, they might go in with an unconditional offer mm. and, and they there's no building and pest. Uh, it's a massive amount of money to invest and not have 
a building and pest inspection, um, and then obviously go cash and unconditional offers. Um, it is it is a big risk, so you definitely need to know what that market is if you're looking at that off-market opportunities um, and what is value as well. The other thing with real estate, when property is getting listed at realestate.com, um, how fast are you seeing a move and what's happening in that in that space at the moment? Very fast at the moment. Absolutely love it when agents list on a Friday and sell on a Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> Not uncommon, it's happening a lot. <laughs> yeah, so um, basically we just need to make sure that we're prepared for that. Um, but we are seeing it a lot at the moment, even shortened auction campaigns. Like typically you'd wait a month for a typical auction, but we're seeing them happen in a week, two weeks after they've been listed online. Mm. So they're shortening the timeframes because of the high demand. Um, so, yeah. So when you say get prepared, if someone's listed on a Friday and you're buying it on a Saturday, I guess you've got everything done and the last thing you do is the inspection? Yeah, well, I think that we really add value to our clients in this section because because of the agents that list on the Friday and sell on the Saturday, that can be a really overwhelming process for a buyer. So buyers are having to make a decision to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars in less than 24 hours in some cases. Mm. So um, basically being able to guide our clients, provide all the due diligence within a record time yep. um, and basically helping them through that process calmly. I actually think it increases their chances of success as well and yep. calms those nerves. Yeah, it's very overwhelming. And, you know, I know when buyers first go, our buyers first go through that experience, you know, we really do have to nurture them and coach them through that. But we do prepare them for that because that's what's happening more and more in the Brisbane market. And you're absolutely right. Having someone to, um, you know, prepare all of those reports for you, make sure that, you know, you're targeting the right asset, the due diligence is done, understanding exactly where that value sits. Having that all done within record time, um, obviously we've put in some late nights on a Friday to to turn this around for a lot of our clients because we know that a lot of properties will sell on that first Saturday after the first open home. And if we haven't had a chance to get through those properties prior, we know everything has to be done. And I know we've had some agents close offers, you know, one or two hours after that inspection. So there is no time to do any of that due diligence after you've seen the property. It's so important to do it upfront. And then the last thing that we do, obviously, is to inspect. Yeah, so <clears throat> running through the process, I guess, as we have been now, and you've got that relationship with the agent, you've looked at, you've done your due diligence behind the scenes, how do you inspect a property? What, what, sort, what is the process when you go to inspect a property? I think so being able to be on the ground is super important. Um, we're able to identify particular pockets within desirable suburbs that will outperform other pockets and then being able to comment on that whilst at the property. So we actually do video inspections. Um, a lot of the inspection is, you know, pushing on fences and, you know, checking things that I guess buyers wouldn't normally check. They'd kind of just look at the overall property, but we're here to look at the nitty gritty stuff. Yeah. And I think things like, um, you know, having a builder on our team, it's trained us all in what we need to look for as well. Um, things like, has the property got a termite treatment in place? You know, what are the gutters like? Is there any rusting in the gutters? Um, I know, you know, I was at a property on the weekend just last Saturday and I saw an underground pump that, you know, I was very aware because of our experience that that pump was 
designed to pump the stormwater out because the area was a little bit lower in the yard where that pump sat than when the stormwater was out on the street. So, you know, that's something that needs to be considered for an investor because that's additional cost if that breaks down or potential issue for flooding. So those sorts of things are things that we are trained to understand. Um, As I said, we've been trained to inspect like a builder, which is um, the reason why, you know, a lot of people come to us because it's not just about selecting the right location. Obviously, location drives the capital growth, but the property itself is going to make or break your rental yield. It's going to determine how much someone's prepared to pay for the property, but it's also going to cause the headaches in the event that you have huge maintenance costs. So it's really important that you identify everything up front. Um, Scott, if there's any maintenance that needs to be done uh, for you know, a client, help us understand the process that you would do to ensure that that property is rent ready. So as, as both Melinda and Talia Uh, mentioned earlier when they inspect a property we really run through a lot of training at the start on on what we want to look at so Talia mentioned things like pushing fences Uh, it's quite funny when you go and watch some people at an inspection they walk in and it's all staged and they think it's lovely and they walk out you could ask them a thousand questions they'd probably answer one or two but in the videos that we do in the inspections we do not only we do things like pushing fences we look at termite barriers we open up the meter box Um, we'll look at we don't even look at the staging um, everyone carries a, a laser measurer, so they'll check if it's a downstairs, for example, or even upstairs. We've had it recently last weekend, actually. Uh, Melinda went to one just to check the height of the ceiling to make sure it complies to be a habitable space. All those things are what we look at um, when they do the inspections. They look at silicon in the bathrooms. There's a whole list. I can go on forever. They're the sort of things that we look at, and they're the type of things that will cause maintenance down the track. So when you're investing in property, even if you're an owner-occupier, I should say as well, um, the last thing you want to do is put your hand in your pocket and um, fork out money to do maintenance ongoing. So they're the types of things we look at. We look at anything that could could be maintenance or to be aware of or things to avoid maintenance down the track. And we'll do a budget for that as well so that people understand what that's going to cost so that they're aware up front so that down the track they know what that will be as well. Yeah, and I think it's also making sure a property is rent ready. And that leads me to the next point of, you know, being um, ready to understand the numbers before you buy. And Talia, what else do we do to help buyers, um, especially our investment buyers, to understand those numbers up front? Yeah, so a part of our due diligence process um, is we do obtain rental appraisals. Um, we do complete a comparative um market analysis on the historical sales in the area and we also provide them with projections Um, so that's definitely something that helps them and because we're completely independent we are not providing rental appraisals in-house we're getting property managers who specialize in this field to provide those appraisals and we always get more than one Um, usually we get up to three and you know when we're looking at the holding costs for our clients we really do quantify that so depending on a client's investment loan structure uh, we're using software to help them understand exactly what that property will cost to hold based on their loan structure based on the purchase price which we usually stretch test at the top end of our appraisal range and we also um, usually assess those numbers based on the lowest end of the lowest uh, rental appraisal. We also account for all of the holding costs including things like rates, insurance, property management fees, all of those things that you do have to put additional money in as an investor to hold. Ultimately for us it's not about 
what you pay. It's about how much is this going to cost you to hold because when you're buying an investment, it needs to align with your cash flow position and your tax position. But more importantly, it needs to achieve the goals you're setting out to achieve. So in a rapidly moving market, what you pay is the amount you need to get into the investment. If that's 10000 more than what we had to pay last month because of market appreciation, well, that's what it needs to be. The more important number right now for us is how much will this asset cost to hold and therefore can this investor afford to purchase this asset and that's the approach that we take. Is that right, Talia? Yeah, definitely. So you mentioned doing a comparative market analysis. I guess at the moment in the market in Brisbane, not only is that important, but when you we touched on earlier relationship with agents. So getting that feedback from agents, seeing how many people are on the ground there, seeing how many people are interested, trying to get some feedback to see what other people are thinking value is, I guess that's where that local knowledge and your experience comes to helping clients understand what we call market value (laughs) and not historical market value. Absolutely. So when we're doing these comparative market analysis, they are usually very historical data that we can't rely on in this weekend Mm. that we're purchasing the particular property. So we do have to do further research, like how many groups are attending, like what is the demand for this property, Um, looking at the capital growth that's happened in such a short space of time, asking the agent for further feedback um, and, yeah, just going from there. Good point. And I think that that's something that, you know, in the last two or three months throughout Brisbane, everything's been selling over the top end of our appraisal range because we certainly do not artificially inflate the value based on settled sales. But one thing that we are able to do for our clients is help them understand whether they may need to be 2%, 3% over the top end of our range, in some instances, 5% over the top end of our range. And that's because we know what's selling every single weekend. We know what's going to contract. We know what's selling at auction. And our local knowledge enables us to provide the most accurate guidance for our clients. And obviously, that's enormously valuable in a market that's moving you know, nearly 2% in the housing market every single month, that's $20,000 on a $1 million purchase. So, you know, as I mentioned previously, an extra $10,000 today based on what we might have had to have paid a few weeks ago really is not going to cause a significant change in the overall investment outcome when we're looking at a 20-year time frame, especially for those that, you know, are looking for a high capital growth strategy. So you've gone, you've talked about obviously a lot here, and, and obviously the value of the qualifications and the team that people um, get access to when they work with us. What are some little value add things that some clients might get um, from the process with our business? I think it is a seamless process really from the start to the finish. Um, there are a number of things that we do. We have like a 40 point checklist for due diligence. Um, we actually do auction bidding on behalf of our clients because that can be quite a nerve wracking time. Um, we provide all the negotiations so our clients don't have to worry about that. Um, Scott, you obviously coordinate and attend building and pest inspections yourself. Yep. Um, also with my property management experience, I do coordinate all the proposals. We actually give multiple um, to our clients so they can make an informed decision and I can assist them because I have a lot of experience. That's my background. Um, and yeah. So obviously, and then pre-settlement inspections, collection of keys, hand it property manager, um, and also through the process, talking to brokers, talking to solicitors for all the conveyancing side of it. I mean, that's all done in-house here that we can all 
obviously coordinate all that for our clients. And even helping them at the back end after it's settled with maintenance. With the maintenance. Yeah. Yep. Well, I think we've uh, covered a lot today in um, helping some of our listeners understand, you know, what sort of due diligence goes into selecting an investment grade asset, but also, you know, how much uh, attention should be paid to some of these items and, and how much detail really needs to go into the selection process. You can't select an A-grade asset based on distance from the CBD. It, there's so much more to location selection. Even once you come down to a suburb level, there's so much more that comes into um, specific parts of a, a suburb and then when you're looking at an individual house itself it's not just the physical attributes from an investment perspective it's also the numbers and having thorough and comprehensive um, details up front enables you to be an informed buyer minimizes your risk and maximizes your long-term returns excellent well thank you very much for the chat today Talia thanks um, for having me it's been good. Um, I hope you enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Now you can go back to work. Yeah. <laughs> um, look, it's been really good. Um, hope people, hopefully that helped people understand a little bit more um, of the experience and the knowledge that Talia has and what she does here with us and, and how the business works. Um, it, it's exceptional what um, the service I think that you give to, some, to our clients, all our clients. Um, so I'll let Melinda wrap up um, the podcast for today. Thanks very much for listening, everyone. Um, we'll talk again next week. So take care and bye for now. Yeah, Talia, amazing to have you on. I think it's really important to share your knowledge with everybody as well. I know any clients that um, get to deal with you are absolutely wrapped and that's coming through in our Google reviews as well. And if you haven't seen some of the comments that clients have made about how meticulous um, Talia is and how knowledgeable she is, um, head on over to Google, um, have a look at Streamline Property Buyers Reviews and you'll see some of the amazing comments that some of our clients have put in there for her. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So that's it for this week. Again, thank you so much for joining our podcast. As always, if you've enjoyed what you've heard, please share this podcast with your friends and family. Don't forget to leave us a review. Um, We'd love to to receive your feedback. We've got another Q&A session coming up, so please send any more questions in. We've got a few already um, lined up, ready for the next episode. So we hope you enjoy the next week. We look forward to chatting with you again soon. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in today. Please remember everything we have spoken about on this podcast is general in nature and we always recommend that you obtain independent advice in relation to your specific circumstances. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to subscribe or leave us a review on iTunes and of course, tell your friends about us. If you would like to get in contact, please visit www.brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au or email us at info at brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au. Feel free to send in any questions and we will try to answer them in future episodes.